Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark LaBusk here, Simply Practically Human podcast. Struggling a bit this week to come up with something to talk about. So uh, I'm going to try something here very, very shortly in about three minutes. I'm going to have someone joining me for a meeting who has no idea um, that they're going to be involved in the podcast. And uh, I'm going to give them a task. And the task will be to ask me five or six questions that they've either wanted to ask me, but haven't quite got around to it, or maybe have wanted to ask me, but we're a little bit terrified to do so. So um, let's just see how this rolls out. We'll see what happens. It could go really poorly or it could go really well, but it's not about the end game here. It's about the quality of what uh, what happens in these next few minutes. So this is a person I have a lot of respect for, by the way, and I hope after this happens that they are uh, still my friend. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LaBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. So, a little surprise. I ask you to do something. I ask you to just come up with five or six questions for me. Mm. You know why I ask you that? No, what? Because you're on a podcast right now. No, you don't. don't do that to me, Mark. <laughs> I am joined today by the incredible Alex Bukowski. I've met Alex, I don't know, maybe two years ago now, and I consider her to be a bloody good friend, I hope now, and at times a, a good mentor slash coach for me. Tells me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. So, Alex, thanks for joining me. You're welcome, I think, Mark, for putting me in this sticky position. <laughs> so this is literally the sticky position, and I did want to... Um, test Alex out a little bit, only from the fact that I know she's up for it, absolutely mm. up for it. And I've said, can you come up with five or six questions for me that that you'd like to ask me? Maybe that you've asked me before, or maybe that you'd like to ask me, but you have either haven't got around to it, or you might have been a bit reluctant. So I'm going to just, might have to bear, bear all a bit here today. And so it scares the shit out of me a little bit. Oh, righto. My heart rate's just gone up a little bit. Fire away. You can ask me whatever you want. So I want to know your story from when you first left Australia Post and you left the corporate world yourself. And I'd love to know what a good day looked like, but I'd also like to know what a dark day looked like. Oh, okay. So um, I'm going to say this. October 2014 is when I left Australia Post and I enjoyed working at Post, by the way. This is, I'm looking at September 2016 now. So we're talking two years down the track and I've written something there is I'm good enough. So it took me two years. It took me two years before I got to those three words to say I'm good enough to actually be doing this work. And so a good day in that time would have been getting some work. So I'm saying maybe one day a month was, that's good. Two days a month was cartwheel time, backflip time, like all that sort of stuff. But those days were absolutely peppered with bad days of isolation, of loneliness, of some sadness, rejection, the bad news filing cabinet stories just flying at me saying things like, you can't do this you're going to struggle. You haven't had any clients before. I remember people asking me, who have you worked with? And I'd be like, nobody. 
And even saying that now, I'm getting tight in the throat going, oh, I don't want to go back there. So there were many, many bad days. There was a stop sign that came up and said, who are you kidding? You need to give up now. And um, even to the point where I look back now, Alex, which is, I think it's both terrifying and liberating was that it took me a year before I actually ran that two-day experience. It took me a year because I kept telling myself, you're not ready. So every day I would hear, you're not good enough. It's a struggle. You haven't got what it takes. So what I did is on a good day would be my website was launched. I felt good because all of a sudden I had a website, but guess what? No one came to it. So that was sort of it. And But I'm going to say 80% of the days were bad, but I think I thought they were bad then, but now when I look at them, I think they've actually shaped me up into what I am. Why did you keep going when it was so bad? Well, because I'd made some commitments and I'd made some bold statements. I'm a bit of a dick like that. So I uh, <laughs> um, I made a couple of bold statements when I left. And one was that I was going to write a book and I did. And then the second one was very clearly, and, and it was, and again, I'm going to say this isn't because of the environment I was in. It was because of the system that I'd experienced for 20 years. I'm never going back to corporate, like ever going back to corporate. So I told everyone that. So I had to hold my nerve and I didn't do it well. I'm going to say one of the reasons that I kept going was that I had a really, I had a horrible situation. And when I say horrible, this is, this is because I was at a time where I was getting no work and I'd made three appointments to see people in Melbourne. And I catch the train down from where I lived about an hour out of Melbourne. On the way down on the train, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about this. These aren't people I knew and I thought there were some good opportunities. Not like the people who say, we want to work with you, Mark, when you go out and they never do. Within five minutes, every one of them had sent me an email to cancel the appointment when I was halfway down on the train. So I remember literally getting off that train and getting back on another train and going home. And um, I pretty sure getting Alison to come and pick me up and just sort of saying, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. I'm not going to make it. And she just said, I don't think these were her words, but something like this, like toughen up, mate, and eat your own dog food and get on with it. And um, I'm very, very grateful for that because I was that was probably my lowest, that's the bad word probably, that was my lowest point. And um, I felt like giving up, but I didn't because I got well supported. Mm. Interesting what you say about having those decisions that cause you not to be able to turn around and give up. So you've made those bold statements and I just reflect on there is something powerful about going out there to people and making a big commitment publicly like that because, you you know, there's no, there's, there's no turning back. There is no turning back. And, look, I think that's one of the reasons that I make them. It's just like now the Human Manager Academy. It's like this thing is going to go to millions of people around the world. And I'm like, should I say that? Because <laughs> my bad news filing cabinet story is going, guess what, dickhead? No one is going to buy it. You're going to spend all this money and no one's going to turn up. You're going to build the build it and they will come, as they say, in, the, in that field of dreams. And it's like, what if nobody turns up? But I'm going to continue to make bold statements. Like I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to work overseas. I'm going to work in New York. Um, I'm going to work in Washington. I'm going to work in Amsterdam. All those things happened. So I reckon you've got to make bold statements. You can't be – I talk to a lot of people who are thinking of transitioning out into do their own thing. You can't be halfway in between. 
And I think mm. part of the go here is be bold and be really shit frightened as you're being bold and then just see what comes of it. Mm. So what do you tell people? You know, what, what was your story that you were telling people about what you were going to offer the world when you went out there, when you had these meetings with these new people? Wowee. So not the story I go with today because my story back then was very, very much wrapped around you need to still be what they want you to be, mate. So mm. I was talking about things like unlocking potential and you don't laugh. Don't no, laugh. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I've got a poster here that says something very similar. Oh, there, you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, so unlocking potential was a big one that I was talking about. It was about making work more human and with not really much behind that other than sort of saying I can improve your engagement scores and the collaboration will be better and all of those sort of words, the innovation will be better, like all the Asian words as I call them. I was using all the words that I expected people would want me to say so they could understand me. And, um, and look, I think they serve a purpose because I think those sorts of things get you in the door. But I do, I do remember at times as I was saying those words, something inside of me going, why don't you say what you really think, mate? Why don't you say what you really mean and what you're really trying to do here? And I, I guess as I moved, I'm going to say the transition from the chinos with the white pressed shirt and the sports coat, which I started in, as I progressed into black T-shirt guy with black jeans and some sort of provocative thing written across the front of the T-shirt, so too did I start to talk about the other side of things, which was like, what we're going to do is we're going to help you get rid of that element in your business that has become has been the rule but will become the exception. And that's the way that people treat other human beings. And the way this stuff works, people, is you're going to have to start with yourselves. So the work we're going to do is you're going to be holding up the mirror to yourself and you're going to be doing the hard work of self first before we even get to giving you the chance to look outwards at how you manage your own team. And that took me a good couple of years before I would say that, what was funny though, I think, was that I would not say that when I was meeting them. And if they gave me a chance to work with them, I just, that's what I'd do in the room. So it's almost like false advertising. I was, I was hiding something. Were you hiding something or do you think people to open doors, sometimes you need to say things to get in the door because is, is there a need to do that? Because that was some advice I got recently. You need to get in the door and then then help them with positive intent once you're there because some people just don't know what they need. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a really good point. So um, some people will say to me still today, like, we still don't get it. We still don't get what you do. We've met with you. We've heard all about it, but we don't get it. And today I just say, look, you've just got to trust me. Usually when I'm getting in the door now, the beauty of eight years in is most of the doors are already slightly open mm. or well open. So it's not like the cold calling, knocking on the door and, hey, here I am, the human manager, come and work with me. Who have you worked with? Nobody. Oh, okay. So now it's more like we've heard about you and we don't quite know what you do, but it sounds fascinating. And then I'll share some stuff and they'll go, hey, we still don't quite know what you do. And then I go, just trust me, it'll work. And then I say to myself, geez, I hope it works, but it tends to. But your good point. I think it's not about bold-faced lying to people about what you do. It's about giving them enough that gets them to move from sort of curious to 
let's have a play around with this. Mm. What's one of the most surprising things that's happened in the room? Um, being told I was the worst facilitator someone had hired for 27 <laughs> years. Now, that mightn't have been surprising to them, but it was surprising to me because I'd never heard that before. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting thing. It was a, We came up to a break and, and I'd been provoking in the room and um, things hadn't quite gone the way that that someone in the room wanted them to go. And, you know, I um, I let that person be for a bit and then I went down and asked them for how are you and they went, well, you're the worst facilitator I've used in 27 years. And I'm like, I'm not sure if that's a badge of honour or something else. So, But I do remember this, Alex, because when I was driving home that night, I actually stopped once at McDonald's for a shake because I was feeling stressed and I needed something to comfort me. And then I stopped again at the second McDonald's up on Sydney Road for a Sunday as well because that's how I was feeling. I was actually, it knocked me around. I tried to play the, that didn't hurt, but it did. So that's the most surprising thing I've heard someone say from a negative perspective. But I think surprising in another way, I still get surprised when people talk to me about how this work of two days of work has changed their lives for them. Because I'm like, nah, nah, it hasn't. Like, come on, this is just, this is the human manager experience. It's not a, we're not walking across hot coals or doing any of that sort of stuff. And, um, but people say that to me and I get really surprised and I actually get a little bit, um, like it's a bit emotional when people say that to you. And I say, well, no, no, no. And they go, no, no, no. And I, and I ask them why and they, they say, they're like, and I'm like, that's cool. So it's still surprising. I hear it a bit, but it's a good surprise. Mm, nice. That's awesome. What advice do you have for me, Mark, about starting a business and being at the beginning of the journey that you were on? It's almost what would you go back and tell yourself about the journey? So the first thing I would tell myself is, don't invest a whole lot of money in a fancy website. Like have a landing page where people mm. can find you. Have a nice photo of you and a little bit of a short, sharp bullet points. But I, I built something because I was trying to appeal to the top end of town when really that was not where my work was going to be, but I thought I had to be like them. So that would be just be careful about how you invest some of your dollars, particularly when there are more dollars going out than coming in, Alex. Because even if you're in a position to be able to do that, and I had a redundancy, so I had what I call the redundancy runway, but I would still, I've got a real phobia with finances. It's a thing I've carried since a kid. So um, when I could why see- Why you managed an account, why you married an accountant. Why I married an accountant. <laughs> and I still have the phobia. Like if I go to the hole in the wall, which I go there infrequently now, and if 20 bucks didn't come out, I'd be rolled up in a ball in the fetal position, sucking my thumb, ringing Alison Cohen, haven't we got any money? So there was that piece of money was going out, but there wasn't as much coming in. So just just be really conscious that you don't need to have um, a massive presence. You can do a lot of things through social. So one of the things I'd really suggest is become prolific on LinkedIn. You know, people can say I'm a bit of a pain on the ass on LinkedIn, but that LinkedIn is the place that has been a real benefit for me because I decided when I had a lot of time doing nothing early on to just to write an article a week, put it up there. And, and ultimately, and that got me in the door with a place where they're like, hey, we read your stuff and we'd like to do some work. Now, five years later, that organisation is still working with me. 
So that would be something. Just get a discipline around putting some time aside for for building your profile. And and then the other thing I'm going to say is I called my business my name, and I got that advice from Gabrielle Dolan. And and at the time I thought, oh, geez, that's a bit over the top. And and people were ridiculing me a bit about it, but it's the best thing I ever did because given the nature of my work, people say they buy me. So it sort of worked really well. So sometimes I guess the early advice too is believe in yourself, even though those bad news filing cabinet stories are coming at a million miles an hour, not good enough, not smart enough, haven't worked with anyone and just be bold. So let people know who you are, I think is really important. And just hold your nerve because I'm looking here at, at this, my background, I'm reading and it's like, you know, I need website content, I need marketing brochures, I need prospecting and networking. It's all about the dollars. Uh, in every day the dollar went out, but a dollar didn't come in. I'm, how am I feeling? And, and it was all to the point of nearly giving up. So don't get too caught up in that. What you got to know too is what you're starting as is not what you're going to be in 12 months time, two years time, like me, eight years time. I couldn't have imagined this eight year ago, Mark would be doing what Mark's doing today. How would your kids describe what you do? Speaking shit for a living is the one I get the most. <laughs> life coach is another one they get. Yeah, my friends say you're a life coach, and I'm like, do not utter those two words to me. <laughs> I am not a life coach. Do not say that. Um, they would say I'm a motivational speaker. I hear that one from them a bit. It's funny, you know, because I actually. I'm sure they'd tell me this. I think they're pretty proud of what I do, but I don't quite think they know how to explain it because as one of Amy's um, former boyfriends once said, like, where did you go to uni to learn to do the job you're doing? <laughs> and so I think there's a bit of that too with them. They're like, well, what's your qualifications? So shit speaker, coach, motivational speaker, that'd be it, I reckon. Because sometimes they say this to me, don't you try and coach me. You're not trying to coach me now, are you, Dad? And I'm like, oh, no, no. Are you? Yep. Because <laughs> I think, and I shouldn't, I don't try and do too much of it because I think we've got to learn, we'll learn our, our own way through stuff. But there are, there are certainly times where I'd like to think that I'll ask them a question and we'll have them thinking a little bit differently to what they might have. And I think that's important because I got that when I was younger, maybe from my dad who gave me the shits a bit with that sort of stuff at times when asking me that hard question or my phys ed teacher. But now I think back to it and it's like that was a bit of the makings of the way I am today. Who helped you along the road to get you here? Like did you have any good mentors or people that were supporting you through the journey? Um, so this might sound a bit strange, but I reckon about five years before I started to do my own thing, I just started to notice that people would come to me who I didn't know who would say, hey, I spoke to Alex and Alex said I should come and have a chat to you. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, righto. We had a chat and then someone else would come who knew that person for a chat and then someone else would come and all of a sudden there was like this crazy sort of a network that, and and, and what I'm getting to getting at here is those people really helped me by believing that I could help them. And then I started mm -hmm. to believe that I could help other people as well. So I think those, they're not, they're informal. There wasn't like set up. They weren't, it was like, well, Mark, why are you talking to someone in the IT group when you're a sales director? Oh, because they want help. Okay. So I reckon the encouragement of that stuff was really good. My last 
second to last manager who came in from outside the business, a guy called Nick Nusky. I've spoken about Nick before. He dragged me from a role which was like, I call it Koala Park, where I used to go in every day, climb up the tree and eat leaves and then <laughs> climb down at the end of the day and go home. Maybe did a little bit more than that. But Nick, after six weeks, had asked my boss for a chat with me. My boss had said, I don't know what he wants to talk to you about. I think he wants some sort of training program built. And he said, I want to offer you the job as a sales director of solution sales. And I'm like, shit, why is that? He goes, because like, I've just watched the way you can get stuff done around here when people don't want to do stuff and the way that you build relationships. And I don't think you're good at selling. He said that, but I think you can help us. So, And then Nick allowed me to run my two-year experiment, really. Thank you, Nick, even though you didn't know about it. You knew about it when I told you my strategy was that my people would be happy and have fun. So I owe a lot to Nick because he's... He let me go. He let me practice and experiment with stuff. Um, my wife, like when I rang her from Harvard and said, I think I'm done. And she's like, you know, we've got kids at private school and we've got a hefty mortgage. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it'll be okay. Having no idea that it was going to be okay. So I think Alison's support over time has been good. And also the kids, like the kids just sort of go along with it. They as I said, I think they're proud and they've, they sort of pushed me along at different times, but I reckon they're the ones that have really, really influenced me. If I go way back, it's my phys ed teacher who, who gave me the sense to become a school teacher, which I did. And I've always had that in me that, that the best thing I can do is be helpful. And there's nothing better. I know you've got young kids, Alex. There's nothing better than watching young kids, actually the light bulb go on above their head. And it's the same with old kids. And I mean old kids as in old kids that in the workplace. So uh, Mr. O'Toole had a lot to do with that. Mm. Alex, thank you for not even knowing you were going to do this. And, and quite literally in the listeners, if you're uh, being a bit cynical or you're like, nah, that's bullshit, it is true. But uh, Alex literally found out when I said, I think you're going to be on the podcast. What I do like <laughs> about that, whatever you were manifesting about what you wanted to do by the end of the year, you can tick this one off now. It's done. I thank you for your questions. Fellow humans, if you have enjoyed this, like I have, please rate it five stars. Drop a little comment and uh, just give us something to let us know why. Because you know what? I need to know at times that things are going well. Um, if you liked it and you reckon some of your friends would like it, you please share it with them because you know they may be looking or you may be looking to go out in your own business and you might just pick one thing up from here that could help you not to get so far into your bad news filing cabinet as I did uh, eight years ago. But uh, until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, keep it human. Bye for now. Thanks, Alex. Bye.